and I saw it happen right outside my window and like this all like uh, you don't know what happened kid and that's why it brought up in my mind when I heard that and I saw and he was talking about he saw this all through his window he saw all of it happen through his window I was like you might have seen the guy get capped (laughs) but you didn't see all that happened before it you know what I mean (laughs) you might have saw the guy get capped <laughs> I'm being honest. Like you yeah. might have seen a murder and you didn't call the cops immediately, but Hey, what's going on guys? My name is Kenneth Jackson. I'm an actor from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Trey Riley. I'm a writer director from Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is Cinevibes. Hello everyone, my name is Kenneth Jackson. I'm joined by my esteemed co-host and good friend, Trey Riley. Howdy. And welcome back for the first movie review of season two. Did I make that rhyme on purpose? No. But I'm glad it did. Before we dive into this week's movie review... We would like to introduce a new segment for season two, simply titled In the News, where we present all the latest in Hollywood news to you guys. And kicking things off, WandaVision finished up its last episode of season one this week, and some fans weren't happy. Obviously, we only spoil things during our movie reviews, but some fans were not at all pleased with how things ended up for one particular villain. Moving on from there, A Quiet Place 2 moved up their release date to Memorial Day of 2021, previously set to be released back in 2020 and delayed due to COVID. John Krasinski posted, they always say good things come to those who wait. Well, I think we've waited long enough. We agree, John. Also in the news, we have Riley Keough joining Chris Pratt in a new Amazon thriller series called The Terminal List. Having wrapped up a few award shows such as the Golden Globes and this past weekend, the Critics' Choice Awards, the Oscars are quickly approaching on April 25th, and the front runners for several awards this year include Nomadland, The Trial of the Chicago 7, Minari, Mank, Promising Young Woman, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms. Also announced this week, the Duffer Brothers, who we all know from the Stranger Things series on Netflix, are teaming up with Steven Spielberg to adapt Stephen King's The Talisman for Netflix. And lastly, a few films that have just released that are available now for you to watch either on a streaming service or in theaters include Raya and the Last Dragon, which is on Disney+, Chaos Walking, which will be releasing in theaters, Moxie, which is on Netflix, and lastly, Coming to America, which will be on Amazon Prime. That's the news for this week, and back to the episode. Today's movie is one of the most hotly debated movies on this podcast thus far. When (laughs) I mentioned this film to Trey, uh, around the beginning of the podcast, I told him where I stood on the film he was completely baffled and I think he is still baffled to this day because after re-watching this movie I hold true to my statements uh, <laughs> and he still holds true to his but the movie we're talking about today if you haven't read the title of the podcast it's Hot Summer Nights this is a film by Elijah Bynum uh, with my boy Timothy Chalamet, one of the reasons I really wanted to love this movie because <laughs> he's my guy. Um, and then also some fantastic performances from Micah Monroe, Alex Rowe. Those also rhymed. Uh, that's throwing me for a loop. And a bunch of fantastic people. Uh, and we're going to give you our hottest takes known to mankind. Yeah, this is a movie that probably for the same reasons that Ken wanted to watch it, I saw that Timmy was in there and... By the time I did see it, he had already gone on to make Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. uh, Lady Bird. He had a brief uh, yep. role in there as well. So, you know, it was like, that oh, was a freak. Like, 
this guy's he's legit like he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing and so you backpedal and i think this might have actually been his first feature like that he did in general i think it was i think it was one of his first leading like all him projects mm-hmm. and uh well now every single movie coming out is a timothy chalamet led film him so. or tom holland <laughs> they're in every him movie or tom holland so um but no i loved uh that trey is not lying whenever i said i wanted to watch this film because i was going through timothy chalamet's filmography and i was like i gotta watch this one off the bat i gotta tell you as someone who digs the 80s nostalgia synth wave all that sort of stuff i'm a cyberpunk you know fanatic me and trey are so trey was probably as baffled when he said whenever i told him i didn't really like this film that much (laughs) um because he's like it's oozing with what we just the aesthetic right and it made no sense at all but i'm gonna tell you straight up right now the reason i did not like this film was because of how much i seriously just wanted to take my headphones off look away for a solid five minutes and then come back after the cringy scene was over like or not cringy but just very hard to watch scenes were over very very awkward scenes that just i know there's a group of people out there who enjoy watching very awkward situations and i know you're a you're you're you have your own corner but i just every single time one of those scenes came around whether it was a kiss scene or just a scene where they were trying to say a line for like five minutes that was equivalent to i love you uh it just made me want to throw my headphones down go take a nap and then maybe come back to it Mm. (laughs) yeah I, i don't know like i found it to feel very I found it to feel somewhat authentic to someone that's trying to figure out who they are and then being displaced into this new world. A little backstory if you haven't seen it, which we hope you do because whether you love it or hate it, you will have a strong opinion, I think, because <laughs> that's just the kind of movie it is. But he, this young boy is displaced from his home He's, he's lost his dad, and so now he is living in Cape Cod, or what they're calling Cape Cod, Massachusetts, I believe. And, uh, yeah, he, he's got to get a fish out of water. You know, he's kind of awkward. You, you've seen Timothy Chalamet. He's kind of scrawny and the everyday average guy type of role. Mm-hmm. So jumps into that world, and there, there's a lot of awkwardness. There is, and not just like him as a character with the scenes he's in. But for me, I mean, I thought it fit with what they were trying to do outside of the cringiness of it. Mm -hmm. It was almost in some ways how I felt watching Call Me By Your Name where there's some pretty cringy scenes in that movie, especially the one with the the, uh, tangerine or orange or something that he uses for certain... Uh, a certain act that guys tend to do it's just like ah that's I would have not included that scene yeah so yeah there's some of that I think that it and this is where if I were any mean if there was any meanness in my body any like sort of I don't care about anybody's opinion I would probably state it here but for the fact that I do love to see films and other people's perspectives i understand i know that it is something that when i think back on my own life i think of scenes that are similar to what goes on in here except for the drug part which is a big part that i did not partake in (laughs) you mean you didn't run 250 pounds of marijuana every week you know i thought about it and i had the chance but i said (laughs) no i'm gonna stick to uh, my video games, you know. Yeah, good uh, call. Super Smash Bros. was more important to Go me. Go to college, do those <laughs> types of things. I was too worried about being a nerd. Um, but I, 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 think, I think back on my life and I, I remember scenes like these. So I don't think that these scenes have no place at all because I think they do. It's just 
for me as a person viewing a film, I and it is something it says something about film, I guess, is that it moved me, whether it be in a really good way or in a very not so good way, mm-hmm. to put it lightly. And that I I guess was what they were aiming for, you know, whether I liked it or not, you know, I've seen films like The Amazing Spider-Man where there was that scene where He's asking out Gwen, and... You're just clenching your teeth. I'm just over here like, my God, dude, just say the line. <laughs> just just say it, you know? I understand, and there are other things. One of the most notable as well is in Twilight, the mm-hmm. kiss scene that took like six or seven minutes uh, for them, like from initiation of the kiss to actual lips on lip action, like it took a solid five minutes from like eight feet apart for ten minutes towards each mm-hmm. other with their lips pursed, like, mm-hmm. and then finally at the end they kiss. Yep. <laughs> so that one may not get my seal of this is okay. You know that one. That one gets cut off along with the rest of the trilogy, but the. So I, I can understand where it comes from. And I understand that the the directors, they want this for a purpose. You know, mm-hmm. they want you to feel a certain way about this. They want it to be awkward. I guarantee you, Timothy made this very, very smooth his first run through. And the director was like, nah, I can crank that awkwardness off. <laughs> <laughs> and Timothy's like, I got you, fam. And yeah. he did. One of the really early on scenes that kind of paints at least where he's coming from before he turns into this drug lord is they're in a house party and he's in his little like striped yellow and black shirt and as one does as one does in that early 90s (laughs) and he's holding his beard and he's kind of like dancing there to himself right by the front door Mm-hmm. And then this one girl like walks up and I don't think she's interested, but she's trying to talk to him and he's like not understanding what she's saying at all. And there's this term for the people that go up there in the summertime and like those are those group of people. Then there's you know, the other group that live there and he's neither one of them. So again, just that fish out of water mentality. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to his credit, he can play a really awkward dude really well. And he can. I've, I don't know if I've been that guy, but I've definitely known that guy. I've interacted with guys like that. And mm-hmm. it's tough. I mean, you're like, uh, is this, is this conversation? Oh, oh we're, we're done now. Okay. Are we, are, are we doing this? Okay. okay yeah. Yeah. All right. So to that credit, like that's there. And like you said, I'm sure it was very intentional by the director. But on the other side of that, you have this really confident, like beautiful girl that enters the scene and captures everything about him. And then you're like, at least for me, when I watch him, like, okay, I guess a guy that is batting out of his league, but yet he like finds this girl and somehow she's interested in like the awkwardness and the lack of confidence and the just complete inability to form sentences (laughs) and it for me like it i don't know like i i get cranked it up for me i'm like every (laughs) shot right now and they had some beautiful montages and the music Mm -hmm. that's laid over those is just perfect so yeah i mean pair all of that think about the 90s like beach town and the title itself, Hot Summer Nights, is like, what more do you want? Yeah. Well, I, I'll agree with you in the fact that I think it was fantastically shot. Honestly, it's so nostalgic. Like, that's one of the words that comes to my mind is, like, nostalgic. Although I was not born in 1991 when this film was set. Um, but... I was negative one. I was negative... I was negative <laughs> seven. Uh, so Whoa. I I know, dude. Uh, so this film is very, very nostalgic in the way that it's shot. And I, I say that without my own experience because you can see it in the director. 
Uh, you can see it in the way that he wanted this film to come out. Mm-hmm. From the poster, uh, where you can see the very hot pink, like 90s, yeah. 80s font, you know? When the title that, comes up, it's got that like VHS type of look to it, you know, where it's got mm-hmm. the, what are they, like static going across it, I guess, you know, when yeah. sometimes in between, like right when you started a video, it would have that. Oh, the ripples? Yeah. It's like, yeah. He, he was hard pushing the early 90s, late 80s. Which, honestly, I love. Mm-hmm. I Like I've said, me, like I and you, Trey, love that aesthetic. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think it just, there's something about it that just hits at home. There's like a little, there's a gap in my mind where it's like everything is flat, everything is normal, and then there's like a huge spike in the middle of it that goes to a huge peak. And at that top of the peak is like 80s aesthetics, mm-hmm. you know? And this is one of those things where initial looking and even watching the film all the way through, all the way to the very end, it it rang true to holding on to that nostalgic 90s, yeah. 80s aesthetic. And I was like, I'm in love with that. Down to like the cars and everything, I was like, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it just, I love the aesthetic of it. I thought it was fantastic. The shot wise, like some of it was grainy. And like, I loved that, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't need a crisp picture. It's almost like looking through a photograph, you know, at this sort of thing, almost as if you're watching a VHS or something of like a film, you know, and I love that type of aesthetic and I think it's fantastic. I can see why some people would be like, my man's got a thing for the nineties and eighties. He should just we're in 20, 2018, bud, get with the times. But (laughs) He's he's hearkening back really hard, and I I'm with it. Until just minus the awkwardness, <laughs> just minus the awkwardness. Like that's where most of my my distaste comes from. Is just like that that awkwardness and everything. Because I just was like every five minutes there was something that was like turn it off, turn 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 it off. God, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I've got one major gripe with it, but I'll circle back around to that at the end with the shots. I noticed. It's not unique necessarily to him, but it's not used often where it kind of punches in quickly on someone's face, like a tight close-up, almost Mm -hmm. extreme close-up type of shot. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of instances of that where we're kind of being introduced to the characters at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really great use of like a stylized shooting format that kind of adds a little bit of action or speed you know, pace to something that's not really very fast pace. Yeah. And there, there's another shot I'm thinking about specifically, just a great shot, which I don't know if it's cringy to you or not, but in the pharmacy, he, mm-hmm. f- you know, finds this girl again and she is still mysterious love interest. Mm-hmm. And he is getting a little bit more confidence, but still very awkward. And he approaches her and like knocks something on the ground and then she turns around, like, are you following me? All this type of stuff. But once she approaches him, we have a tight shot on his shoes, his shoes untied. We pop back up to his face, tight shot on his face. The camera goes from him to her, back to him as she grabs the lollipop out of his mouth and then follows the lollipop over to her as she puts it in her mouth and follows it back to him. She puts it back in his mouth. And it's just like, I, I don't think I would shoot it that way. Like If I yeah. had time to think about it, I wouldn't have thought to do that. And mm-hmm. yet, for me, it worked. Like It felt yeah. intimate. It felt kind of like seductive and a little bit you know, mysterious even or kind of voyeurist or something. You know, we're not supposed to be seeing this type of feeling. Yeah, And it happens throughout, and it has different purposes with, say, him and some of the drug folks when it punches in on them, or mm-hmm. him and the guy that he ends up uh, doing this with, which is the Alex Rowe character. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm eating it up, and you pair that with the lighting, mm-hmm. and it's just these harsh, like, oversaturated scenes and... Uh, especially when they're at parties and getting into the drug scene more. It's just very 
bright and harsh and oversaturated and it's just I don't know it's that feeling it's yeah. it's what you it's what you expect and almost to a fault in a way it's like that's what you want the movie to be like you don't want it to be different than that I don't think at least yeah. not for someone that enjoys it yeah I, I definitely think that there were a lot of shots in this film that I, I thought were interesting and that's one thing where I'm gonna be like yo heck yeah brother go forth into the unknown and (laughs) let's see what you can do you know like try something new try something and a lot of these shots it calls back to what i was talking about earlier is they're very they're going for a certain emotion they're trying to evoke a certain emotion and this can be to the credit of the director i mean this is his directorial debut uh, with this film, which I'm like, kudos, by the way, like this was a blacklist thing that he wrote and just happened to get funded. And he goes and uh, this was his first feature directorial debut. And I, I'm i like, you know, this can be in someone's mind, you know, and just how they want to shoot it. And uh, they just have this certain way of it's not conventional. If you went to film school, they'd say, don't do it. <laughs> but he said, I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm like, kudos, because that's how you get, you know, someone watches this film and they go and direct their own film and they remember this one and they use a certain style, whether it be that punching that you're talking about, whether it be that sort of connecting the dots that he was doing with the down to the shoes, the up to the face mm-hmm. from the lollipop tracing between the two, that sort of thing, you know, and that whole thing takes place over a minute or two and you never know how long a minute or two is until you have to watch a scene like that. <laughs> and they, it, it, it does show you that it doesn't have to be, static it doesn't have to be by the books and if you don't do it if you go outside if you play bad boy filmmaker and you do it your own way you know yeah you can evoke an emotion in the viewer that they wouldn't have had if you shot it like you should have or what some people would deem you should have you know and i'm like big kudos because that's what i think is it it, it blows me away Because I'm like, if they had shot it as other filmmakers would, other directors would, I wouldn't have felt as, you know, averse to it. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that to that point, I'm just imagining maybe a movie like Eighth Grade or something. Mm -hmm. That's shot very conventional. Like, there's nothing really uh, out of the ordinary there. All the rules Mm -hmm. seem to be followed. It's not trying to be like, you know, punk rock or like, evoking any sort of extra meaning with the shots Mm -hmm. i'm just imagining if you shot this movie that way i mean it'd be kind of bland it would it wouldn't stick out as much and that's a style choice and that's you know that's something that people are gonna love or hate and you can't get around it i mean it's just the nature of how we interpret images and sounds and sights and things like that so yeah it could have been shot differently but he really wanted to try and do something kind of edgy. Obviously not nearly to this extreme, but like Scott Pilgrim, you know, they went mm-hmm. very specific with how that is, and it's amazing. But there's probably some people that are like, eh, you know, that's just like a little bit over the top for me for like what's happening. Mm-hmm. And this is like more on the other end of that, but similar thing where it's a little bit more aggressively shot and i guess the people at a24 whoever greenlit this there heard all this and was like yes like you Mm -hmm. do your thing and from what i understand this didn't get you know chopped up by the studio it's just it's what the director wanted to make and he made it and maybe they (laughs) because they'd already invested maybe they just still put it out because i feel like they don't really care about some of that stuff Mm-hmm. They've had movies that just horribly flop, you know, like five people yeah. watch them. But yeah. they're like, yeah, the, the guy did it and, and did what they wanted to do. And I think they just care more about the artistry of it than, which that's not a great business model, but yeah. a lot of their movies do well. But this one, 
obviously didn't because I'm sure most of our listeners have never heard of it. Yeah, I I feel like this is a film where if you don't go through Timothy Chalamet's filmography, you, you'll probably bypass it and never know it existed. Yeah. Um, which I honestly recommend it if you're a fan of Timmy because it shows you his he's a great actor. He does a fantastic job in this film. And also it shows a lot of good stuff from the other cast as well. Yeah. Like a lot of really good performances. One of the ones that stood out to me was Alex Rowe, which I was like, my God, this guy's fantastic. Uh, and then also Micah Monroe as well. Yeah. She was fantastic. All the other actors in this did a good job. Uh, really solid performances. And, but yeah, it definitely was a step outside of the normalcy and something that um, if you don't follow A24, if you don't follow Timmy, you're not going to find it. But when you when you watch it, you're going to be like whether you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Like you're going to fall on one side of the fence or the other. And that's OK. <laughs> yeah. That's what film does. Like I'm not tr- I'm not trying to sit down and watch a film that gives me the fantastic warm fuzzies, although I probably gave that uh, appearance at the beginning of the podcast where I said, this is the most divisive thing I've watched (laughs) in a while. But that's why I love film is because you get to have something like this and you get to have somebody like me be like, hmm, I had a strong opinion about this. You know, that's what it's about. It's not about having everyone love you and then sunshines and rainbows it's about making what you want and stating your own voice and i'm all for that if you rate the movie on that alone like 10 out of 10 it is its own thing and unashamedly so um but honestly a lot of people are probably more in ken's camp with this one because it does have a 44 meta score i think 47 run tomatoes so you know it falls in line with you know a fast and the furious movie or one of those that's like oh, okay it's you know tanks driving through planes and crazy stuff but it it isn't one of their higher rated which a lot of their you know a24 films are fairly highly rated so mm-hmm. i think to them and maybe to a lot of people this is considered a miss but there's a small group of us that watch this and we get everything we wanted and more and I will say the part and I was circling back to this on what I didn't like about it and I hated the narration yeah I don't oh, know oh, why I do, I do agree the director decided to have an outside character narrate the film, a small kid. Yeah, who the heck is this kid? (laughs) And we come to the end of it, and we finally see the kid, and it's like, oh, he saw her last, the girl, uh, Micah's character. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, but, like, who cares? Yeah. Like, how does this guy, this young kid, even know any of this information? It's like he's telling it, as a kid, but as if he's an adult and having learned more about it in the past, if that makes sense. You're hitting right on the nail, like the head of the nail with what I just could not stand about the end of this film. So, spoiler alert, if you aren't already aware... You guys know we spoil everything. We're going to spoil you, and we're going to spoil this... uh, but this ending, it's it's along the same lines as some of the other films I've watched recently. And I know ending a film is really hard. It's really difficult. But this has to be one of the... not. I can't say, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it so harshly. Uh, I'm not going to... I'm not definitely not going to say this is the worst ending I've ever seen. All I'm going to say... <laughs> Second worst. Is it's in the second sentence away from that. <laughs> but this film, the ending, like you said, this kid that was narrating it, like, yeah, I saw all this happen. And like, I was the last one to see her alive. And then 
the next sentence, the boy says, yeah, so apparently she was spotted outside of this town outside of Chicago. <laughs> and I'm like, you just negated. Do you understand sentence. what it means to be seen? <laughs> Anyways, so that's that's one of the things I can't stand about that child. Just to be on that same topic is it's pulling on a card that's like, man, like this whole stuff happened in my town and I saw it happen right outside my window and like this all like uh, you don't know what happened kid and that's why it brought up in my mind when i heard that and i saw and he was talking about he saw this all through his window he saw all of it happen through his window i was like there's no way you saw that there's no way you saw timmy make that drug deal with that other guy yeah and then that goes south and then all the stuff that led up to that from your window from a girl standing in the rain. You might have seen the guy get capped, but you didn't see all that happened before it. You know what I mean? You might have saw the guy get capped. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like, you yeah. might have seen a murder and you didn't call the cops immediately, but you. I mean, this kid narrates the whole film in and out about every scene, essentially, in some way. And. I just think it was a bit of a misstep and probably a source of confusion for people when they get to the end because it's like, well, what's the significance of this? Other than it's mm-hmm. a small town, people talk, like some of that's implied yeah. and like that's fine. But if I were to redo this, I would have had it be someone that's part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like perhaps uh, one of the characters' girlfriends or maybe a parent or you know someone that, actually might have known what was going on mm-hmm. or like Timmy's character or uh, Maka's character, like someone that, I don't know, they were trying to build like this mysteriousness to how they ended up, but yet they essentially said they both went to these towns and lived out their lives separately. So here's the thing. You you mentioned it earlier and we talked about it. We went on length about how I'm like, yo, I love people going and doing their own thing you know in filmmaking this is one of those where you know you do something awesome you shoot it really nice you shoot it really fantastic but then you make this other step where it's like a literal fever dream i at the end of the film i was like did this kid just make all of this stuff up from a girl standing in the street like are we just watching like what he just imagined happened with between this you know, other kid that moved into town for the summer and then these other people that he'd known probably from it being a small town and this guy being a drug dealer and this girl being extremely hot. Like, is that all just in his mind Mm -hmm. of what, you know, connecting dots that may not need to have been connected, you know? And so I'm like, you know, maybe it was a fever dream. Maybe this entire film was just a fever dream of a summer. You bring up a good point that this may be somewhat dreamish or Mm -hmm. not in reality because Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. Like it just literally doesn't make sense why this little boy would be expanding on this whole story, except that maybe it's just in his mind. Yeah. So maybe that's what he was trying to go for. And if so, I, you know, it falls on deaf ears, I feel like, but it would be more unique than say, the more literal approach that I took to it, which was Mm -hmm. this makes no sense at all and it should be someone else or just not have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just, for me, it just seemed like, uh, you know, you could be a kid now and you see just a wheel rolling down the street, you know, a car wheel rolling down the street and then you're like, there was a huge drag race that happened here and then this big drag racing boss dual like you know did a street race with this other guy that came from like the next you know from canada or something like that you know and then this whole entire story just starts weaving together about a whole underground racing ring that you just you know pops up out of nowhere so maybe it is a kid being like i can see this happening these people moved like 250 pounds of weed and sold it all and like 
you know, he started doing drugs and it started going sideways. And then like the storm was coming at the same time. And then like all this stuff collided all at one time. And then I saw it happen right outside my window. You know, I could see it being something like that, yeah. which I'm like, hey, as a kid, I would do the same thing. I would be like just as imaginative. I would see all this stuff happening and be like, oh, dude, this has huge significance because this. And then what if this actually happened? And then like I'm off in my own world. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So it, it could happen. But one thing that I did enjoy about this film, and I thought narratively it was very nice. It helped the pacing very nicely was the arrival of the storm. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's the figurative, a storm is coming. Yeah. You know, I'm coming to get you and hell's coming with me, like that sort of thing. Like a storm is coming and something's going to happen. A literal storm is on its way. A, a hurricane is on its way and about to make landfall. And it's all converging with these events perfectly. On the day it arrives is the same day all this stuff climax the climax pops yeah. off you know and i thought in my personal opinion i liked it i thought it was a very nice thing because it kind of helped you be like yo your your blood's pumping cuz you're like yo this storm is on its way it's raining it's like you know no one should be outside these people are outside running around mm-hmm. you got all these emotions flying and i'm like i thought it was done very well and i thought it helped the plot move forward and climax very nicely but Mm -hmm. at the same time you know was it enough (laughs) not enough to push over the edge Uh, yeah i agree the storm's got metaphorical significance as well as nice dynamic action portion of the film kind of coming to a close and anytime there's any storm in any movie even if it's a nicholas sparks you know, rom-com, love story, like something bad is going to happen. Like, that's just the nature of including a storm in your film. Like, if you have a storm and everything's fine, then I don't know why you had the storm in your film. But If if you're inside enjoying a hot cup of tea while the storm is going on outside. If it's like most every other day when you have a storm and nothing happens, then I don't (laughs) understand it. But, hey, I mean, maybe you're trying to just show a normal day. That's cool. But... Yeah, so you've got that building, and to the credit of... there. Okay, so we'll jump all the way back to the beginning, because that's where it, it starts, is with the ending. Mm-hmm. Some of that CGI is atrocious. Yes. But the film had a very, very small budget, as I understand it. So for what they had, and the ambitions they had, and kind of the scale of this film, mad kudos. Like, they really went for it, outside of, like, two... CGI shots, mm-hmm. it really feels high level, well made, and a lot of the scenes during the storm are really nicely done and don't feel like, you know, those TV shows you watch where they had three minutes to make a shot mm-hmm. on Windows Paint or something. And it's yeah. just like, what in the world? It'll be like <laughs> sometimes even in a Marvel show or something, it's just like, this is a disaster. Like, why did they put this sh- shot in there or this scene? Yeah. It's not like that. It's just kind of a testament to really stretching your money. And at least for me, as an indie filmmaker, shows that you can do a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. And even though a little might be a million, two million dollars, that's like, you know, chump change in the grand scheme of yeah. filmmaking. So, yeah, I thought it does a lot with the little that it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think production-wise, it was actually shot in Atlanta. Atlanta rep. Yeah. So that just goes to show you Movie Magic, a film that's supposed to take place in Cape Cod. No, it takes place. It was shot down here in Atlanta. So big props to the production on pulling that off and keeping the aesthetic of the film in that sort of you know beachy yet uh um, like northeastern summer. yeah yeah that kind like of fancier 
beach town setup. Yeah, so definitely big props to the production group because at never in that point did I consider, huh, I wonder if this was actually shot in Cape Cod. Do you think that scene where they're on the beach, they actually shot that somewhere? You think I feel they like, green screened like that? Well, honestly, they could have shot it I mean, Studio. realistically, movie magic anywhere. Like, they right. could have done that down in, like, Follies Beach or something like that. Oh, that's like, true. Down, they might have just went out to the Georgia coast. Yeah, they could have gone down to, like, one of those uh, yeah. coast co- coastline down there. So it could be anywhere. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, still being able to set it there and uh, make it seem like it is there. I think production-wise, uh, it did great. Yeah, it definitely rings true with looking like more of a low budget film and i and by low budget i'm you already know what low budget is for something like this is yeah we're talking it's it's already got a bunch of bunch of money behind it i can't remember i i can't remember the exact off the top of my head amount that was spent on this film but a lot of a24 films are under five million and i imagine this would be closer to the lower end of that scale yeah so it's it's already it didn't have much to work with but as far as the story goes i don't think it other than the storm i don't think it really required too much more yeah except for the car wreck yeah that's one of those not so great i mean it works like it's fine but could have been better yeah and the the fair scene there's a shot they the character that's friends with timmy and he's got a new love interest that he meets, and they're sitting outside of the fairgrounds mm-hmm. on his car, and they're making out. And there's this great song playing. I don't know what it's called, but it just you know sets the mood perfectly. Mm-hmm. They're sitting on his old school car, making out. You got the Ferris wheel in the background, mm-hmm. and the Ferris wheel got lights going and stuff, and it's just like timed out to the music perfectly. Yeah when they get into the car and the car door shuts, like mm-hmm. the Ferris wheel light hits a certain like beat and then the music hits a certain beat. And I'm like, that's it. Like yeah. <laughs> wrap it up. We're done. That's it. You just perfectly piece together a scene. And there's at least three or four moments where they kind of do this montage uh, music mashup of the story and passing of time. They're just, mm-hmm. they're lovely. Yeah. They give me everything I would want. I think they do. Uh, I, I did enjoy it as well. I really thought the music uh, did fantastic. So big props to the sound department as well. Scoring and everything. Those that went and did the music and everything for this. Fantastic job. And I do agree. Like that one scene stuck out to me with them on the car. It, it just aesthetically, sonically spiritually it resonated with me right on brother that's that's the thought you had when you watched that i was vibing with it and it was uh it really that if i if i could say there is a shot that could sum up the film and its aesthetic it would probably be that one yeah for sure it would probably be that one because that one's more of the dreamy neon-esque sunset old school vibes Mm -hmm. that is just going got going for it you know yeah so 100 percent, i love that shot and then the montages i think they were done pretty good there were a lot of like flashbacks to early earlier moments in the film which if done correctly i'm like yes yeah fantastic yeah i i think that some of those we're kind of preceded by those moments where I'm like, but yeah, (laughs) all of this leads to an ultimate question that must be asked after every movie that we review. What is that question? What score do you give this film? You know, Trey, you play my heartstrings a lot. (laughs) You know, if it weren't for you, I'd be an evil person in this world. I give this film a seven i know i know i just fell out of my seat yes what i know it's it's all because of trey he's 
he's wormed his way into my heart and uh but no seriously like the reason i give it a seven is because of what i told you about enjoying the vibe of the film in the fact that the aesthetic of the film i fully fully love and this is an aesthetic that is either going to turn people away or turn it towards for me it turns it towards the only thing and it's a big only is it's so awkward at moments i just and the first time i tried to watch this film i told trey and this is what sparked this whole debate I turned it off halfway through. I finished it this past week. I started this <laughs> film a year ago. <laughs> so if that doesn't say anything about how awkward it can get, kudos to Elijah Bynum for causing me to <laughs> have nightmares about this movie for a whole year. I've hey, not finished but it. Graham, in our last movie draft episode, was talking about watching that one movie where he had to watch it in several sittings and then the ending blew his mind. Yeah. Hey, I mean, sometimes that first half, that first three quarters is just not doing it and that ending kind of wraps you up. I'm happy I finished it. Yeah. I'm happy I finished it, even if the ending had all those things we talked about previously. Mm -hmm. I'm happy I finished it because I think that ending-wise... It was very weak, but it wrapped up an unfinished task that I can now check off my checklist. <laughs> Just sitting there at the top of your sticky notes. It's been up there for a while. It had cobwebs on it. I had to dust it off. Yeah. But you, what is what is your score? Well, before I give my score, I want to point out that I think there's a little bit of psychology here with not only watching movies together, but talking about them. Yeah. That can make things potentially better or worse. It could go both mm -hmm. ways, I think. But yeah. to your point, or at least to your rating, I mean, I was thinking you were going to hit me with like a five or something like that, just because like middle of the ground, or middle, yeah, middle ground there, and you surprised me. You knocked mm -hmm. my socks off, but... <laughs> I think there's something to, and we've all experienced this when we watch a movie maybe by ourselves for the first time, and then we want a buddy to watch it, and we sit down with them, and it's their first watch, and we're like looking at them the whole time, like smiling and all like <laughs> stupid, because we're like, man, are you going to love this? Or like, are you loving this part? Is that getting you too? Like, it's getting me. Is that, is that doing it for you? And it's almost like that even when you get out of one, and then you're talking about it, and you're like, dude, this scene, like, what about that scene? Or that line they said, it's like a communal thing. Like that, yeah. That's the beauty of some of this that I think was worth pointing out, at least mm -hmm. with the first movie that we've kind of had more disagreements than uh, agreements in terms of uh, final thoughts. But mm -hmm. with that, my score, I will give this film an 8 out of 10. Okay. That is a personal rating for myself. I don't expect others to have the same rating, but if you are like me, then I think you have a good shot at loving it, mm -hmm. and you might give it a two. I mean, I don't know. It's You might turn it off. Like You might turn it off before Ken did. You might get through you that might. first scene. Like, I swear, I, I, I sat through a good few awkward points until I, I cut it off. So Yeah, but I think part of watching films especially if you're a movie buff, which I assume most of our listeners are, is just completing it. Yeah. Like, I, even when I pay for a movie, or don't pay for it, actually probably when I don't pay for it, say I go see a screener of something, maybe I hate it. Like, within five minutes, I'm checked out. Mm -hmm. I stay the whole time. Like, for me, if I don't complete it, I'll never know if there was something worth catching perhaps yeah. something I can learn from for making mm -hmm. my own films or even just enjoyment. Like, at the end of the day, a lot of it's just enjoying the experience, mm -hmm. and I think that's powerful. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think that, you know, and honestly, I'm still debating it in my mind, but I chose that seven because I was like, you got me thinking about how much I really enjoyed the aesthetic of this film. If I were to go watch this film again purely for the love for the love of timothy chalamet <laughs> and for just pure 90s nostalgia 
I would I would watch this again. Yeah. So it's not in that ballpark where I'm like I'm indifferent to it. So I was close to stepping to a six. Five is almost indifferent to me. Like I I could like if this if I had a choice between you know just sitting and twiddling my thumbs for like a whole 107 minutes or watching this film, I would watch this film. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, but yeah, the communal aspect, 100%, when you're finished watching a film in the theater and you walk out of that theater and you're talking with your friends about something, whether you've seen it before or not, you're talking about the film. You're like, what did you think about this scene? Oh my God, I didn't see this twist coming. Oh my God, you saw it coming? Uh, so you you have that at, like that talk of it. And some people might hate it. Some people might love it. And it's just because of personal uh, difference. It's just because of the personal take on everything and that's what makes films fantastic that's one of the other things that i'm like this film didn't jive with me a hundred percent didn't really feel everything it was thrown at me so i gave it a little bit i, I gave it some love can't say yeah. anything about it let us know what you think about this film in our inboxes at cinevibescast at gmail.com as well as at the Cinevibes on Instagram. And let us know what you think. Tell us whether you love it or hate it. Tell us what you would have rated it if you were to graciously <laughs> give that to us. Me personally, I want to know if everyone was leaning towards Ken's uh, idea that maybe it's a fever dream type of setup. Or if you feel like it's more literal and just kind of like out of place like I did. Mm -hmm. uh, that'd be cool to hear your thoughts on that. And we're going into that time of the show where we get down on our hands and knees and we just beg. And God, please. We're going to do it again because we're consistent and that's just how we like to do things. So jump over to Spotify, which, I mean, that's already where you're listening. And yeah. give us a follow so that you see when we release our next movie review, when we jump into another movie draft. Or our next interview with an industry guest. So we have it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and freshly for season two on Stitcher as well. So on all three platforms, whichever one is your preferred one, give it a follow. As well as, as, well as SoundCloud if you're dropping some hot tapes over <laughs> there. So We always see people <laughs> listening on there, and I don't know who they are, but kudos. We appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. And with that, we, we are, are out. out.